Welcome to The Art of Intimate Marriage with Dr. Jennifer Conzin. Sensitive yet frank advice for enjoying every benefit of one of God's most fundamental gifts. Dr. Conzin is a licensed marriage and family counselor, sex therapist, as well as an adjunct professor, award-winning researcher, author, and speaker. With today's conversation on the biblical approach to fulfilling intimacy in marriage, here's Jennifer. Good morning, this is Dr. Jennifer Conzin with The Art of Intimate Marriage. And we've been talking the last couple broadcasts, if you've been listening weekly, on how to talk to your children about sex. This is a broadcast for married individuals, but we are also covering sexuality for all individuals as well. And so today we're going to talk about purity. We do have a previous broadcast on sexual addiction, and it it overlaps a little bit with what we're going to share today. However, one of the things about just even talking about purity is we have this common phrase that, you know, we need to stay pure until we're married. And that's such a funny phrase because what's that about? (laughs) Purity isn't just before you're married. Purity is a lifelong choice. We're actually called to be pure when we're married. So how do we pursue purity? This lesson is going to be applicable to pretty much, this broadcast is going to be applicable to pretty much everybody, whether they're single or married or a campus student or a teenager. So it applies to those of you who are listening, who are in a marriage relationship and purity has become challenging. It does apply if you have those who are listening who are single, it's going to apply to you. Or if you have someone that you want them to listen to this, they can actually go. And after this is broadcast, there will be a recording of it on my website, The Art of Intimate Marriage. And you can ha- send people to go listen and have a great talk. So Psalm 119, verse 9. Such a good question. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? isn't that the question? When I do workshops, this is, and I open it up for questions and answers and people might write their questions on cards and so on. This comes up from multiple people in that audience at every presentation. How do I, this is so hard. How do I remain pure? And it's a valid question. It actually is answered immediately in Psalm 119, where it says, by living according to your word. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. Goodness, how do we do that? How do we pursue sexual purity no matter where we are in life? Look at with me, if you've got your Bibles on you, which I hope you do, go ahead and open them to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, all those Ian's book by Paul, chapter 4, verse 3 through 4 says, It is God's will that we should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your body in a way that is holy and honorable. What a great scripture. I'm going to review a couple other scriptures, and then we're going to talk about what this means when it comes to the definition of purity. So if you look also in Romans 1 and in 1 Thessalonians 4, he uses the same word about honorable that is uh, here in, in this scripture. How do we stay 
honorable? How do we treat sex honorably? And in 1 Thessalonians, again, a little bit earlier than there, in verse 3 through 5, it says the heathen don't know God. They give their bodies to sexual immorality. So this is very similar to Psalm 119 that says, how can a young person keep his way pure by living according to your word? 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5 just says that even more clearly that it's our knowledge of who God is. Not just, okay, I read my Bible and that helps me be pure, but I know God. God is, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. He is my creator. I was created in the womb by God, knit by him. He knows me. He knows what's best for me. And because I know him, I know who he is, I trust that if I am in his word, he's going to direct me in the way that I should go, even in my pursuit of purity. There are multiple different scriptures that talk about sex is an honorable thing. It is a good thing. If you're wanting to pursue purity, you might need to first redefine your understanding of sex biblically. You can go back and read or listen to a previous broadcast on uh, what does the Bible say about sex. That would be found on my website, The Art of Intimate Marriage, to get a more detailed answer to that. However, we do know from the scriptures that we just looked at right now, God calls us to interact with our sexuality with honor. Often in the church, though, the terms that we can use in in our fellowships, we can use more shaming terms. And it's important as you're pursuing purity that if there are feelings that you have of shame in regards to sexuality, you might need to embrace the bigger picture of how God definitely thinks sexuality. God is very sex positive. We need to view sex positively. And if you are experiencing quite a bit of shame in connection with sexuality, you may benefit by going back, listening to a previous broadcast specifically on shame that you'll also find on our website. How do we pursue purity without feeling guilty and shame all the time? Well, a part of that is just accepting our sexual responses. You can hear a little bit more of that also on a previous broadcast. That would be on uh, how to speak to your kids about sex, part two, about how when your body responds physically to arousal and has that throbbing sensation in the vagina or in the penis, that is a normal physiological response to any kind of sexual trigger. The choice we now make if we're pursuing purity is what to do with that response, remembering that those parts of your body that are throbbing and tingling and becoming erect are fearfully and wonderfully made. We then can choose, what do I do with that physiological response? How do I remain pure even though my body is responding? God did make our bodies, and that includes your vagina, and that includes your penis. So a part of pursuing purity is embracing the sexual parts of your body. Embracing doesn't mean I'm going to self-stimulate to orgasm. It just means that I'm going to honor those parts of my body. God created them. And when I have these sensations, it's okay to go, wow, what an amazing thing God did when he created my body. Now, how do I apply my values to this? That is the pursuit of purity. That is the pursuit of holiness. 
Well, what do all of these terms about purity mean? That's important. We're going to look at a few different scriptures on that. However, think about it this way. Most of you listening to this broadcast, you live in the United States, and we have pure drinking water. In fact, we have a you know humanitarian crisis that has happened in Flint, Michigan, around the water, and it's a large, important issue. Why? Because it's vital to provide pure drinking water to our nation. We consider that a part of living here, that it's not okay to have contaminated water. Well, that's not true in so many parts of the world. It's not. And we need to consider the fact that we live somewhere where we can have this pure, and we think about it like, I mean, how many of you have gone on a workout or played a sports game or been outside when it's been hot, and then you come and you drink that cup or bottle of water, and you're just like, oh, just like the commercials show. It's like this incredibly refreshing, awesome feeling. Oh, that water tastes so good. It feels so good. That's how we need to pursue purity. We tend to think of purity as this negative thing, like it's a deprivation. If I stay pure, I'm depriving myself of all of these things. But we don't act that way around pure water. We actually think it's a really good thing, and it's wonderful that we have it in this country, and it's so refreshing when we drink it. We need to see our spiritual purity with those same eyes, that it's not a deprivation, it's a privilege, and it's a benefit. Lucky us that we live in this land where we can drink pure water. Lucky us that we have a God who's written things in his word to direct our paths towards purity. So it's a mind shift to go from deprivation, seeing the pursuit of holiness as, I'm not allowed to do that. I'm not allowed to drink that dirty water, you know, and see it instead of, wow, lucky me. I get to live under God's banner. We tend to talk about sex more as a list of do's and don'ts. And that's just, it doesn't match what the scriptures say. Let's see, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. It says, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. Now look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 10. So pull those Bibles out. We've just looked at 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Now look at Philippians 1, verse 10. And it says, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Again, we already looked at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. These different words about purity, what they mean if you actually look up the Greek, the definition of those words is clean, unstained, clean heart, clean conscience, a clean character. Sometimes those words are used to describe certain precious metals or materials like linen. The word holy, so that's the word purity in the Greek. It means clean, unstained, beautiful. The word holy, we are a little more familiar with this because it means separated to God. It also means sacred, chaste, unadulterated, uncontaminated, unspoiled. The word honorable means something of great value that is of a higher price, that is honor. It is a perceived value of a perceived esteem. It is something to respect. 
These are the words that God uses to describe our sexual purity. Now, obviously, purity overall in all areas of our life. But what great words. And I love in the scripture in Philippians, this is in the Philippians 1.10. The word purity there in the Greek is unalloyed, unmixed, sincere, and judged by sunlight. So when we're pursuing purity, we're wanting to have the kind of life that is where the sunlight comes down, the beams of God's light comes down, and you get to see all this beauty because the light comes down and shows it. That is what purity means in the scriptures. Often we need to redefine our understanding of purity. It is not the deprivation. It is the beautiful privilege and honor that God has given us. Yes. Where does self-control fit in in this process of pursuing purity? Well, a little bit farther along in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 4, it says each one of you should know how to control his own body. Okay. Yes. Self-control is involved in purity, and we're going to talk about that. What's important there is he says to control his own body in holiness and honor. So we have to remember that when it comes to controlling purity, it includes that beautiful, clean, uncontaminated, unspoiled, worthy, uh, high price, honorable, that it's a good and beautiful thing. We tend to say kind of trite phrases, uh, especially when we're talking to kids um, or to singles or to college students. And one of the common phrases that people will use about purity is true love waits. <laughs> um, gosh, that sounds like some old fashioned romantic story, <laughs> some movie. And it's not very appealing to today's people. And it's not going to be appealing to you. Okay, I just should wait, you know, or we warn people to stay pure by telling them, if you don't stay, you know, if you don't keep sex till marriage, you're going to get STDs, and you're going to end up divorced. The problem with trying to tell people to stay pure by using those arguments is that eventually those teenagers and singles and college students that you've told that to are going to figure out that there's a lot of people having sex out there who don't have STDs. And there's a lot of people that have sex. In fact, the majority of people, unfortunately, are engaging in sex before they get married, and they're still married. So using those kind of arguments aren't usually very helpful. We tend to do that, like even in following God, that, you know, initially some of us have decided to follow God because we really don't want to go to hell. That's not necessarily a bad motivation. I don't really want to go there. And so we might initially choose to follow God because I don't want to end up there, but we can't keep our motivation there. We then have to learn who Jesus is, learn who God is, and be motivated by the grace of God, like Titus, like Paul talks about to Titus. We need to be motivated by the incredible love of God. We can't stay in the fear factor to keep us pure, to keep us on the right path. So watch how you talk to others. If you're not only pursuing your own purity, but you help others, watch the language with which you use and the maybe the trite phrases that you'll use to explain it. I do want to take a moment before we go on just to explain a few things about how this broadcast works. You can go and listen to all of the previous broadcasts on my website, The Art of Intimate Marriage. On there, you'll find the recordings. And you'll also find some links that could be helpful. There's a question and answer section. There's 
links to our book, The Art of Intimate Marriage and to Redeemed Sexuality. Both books are now available on Amazon. Also, just to remind you, this is a listener-supported ministry. If you feel like this has been beneficial to you, and if you feel like it would be beneficial to others, you will find a link on the website, The Art of Intimate Marriage, where you can donate. Go ahead. Help us out. Help us keep this going. Okay, let's go into some other things. What are some practical ways that each of us needs to put into practice in order to live a life of purity, whether we're married, single, and so on? Well, for men, it's going to, they'll often share because men will often talk about pursuit of pornography. So do you have devices that you have protection on so that it sends a message to somebody if you ever do look at things pornographically? Now, I've just said men, right? But the reality is, yes, men are greater users of pornography. But women often use pornography as well. The percentage is about 30%. Men, it's more like 80-90%. However, women are commonly using pornography as well. So what kind of protection do you have on your devices? That's a question, a practical question that I ask people who come in to see me professionally and are looking to overcome their use of pornography. Also, What is more common to women is what kind of stuff you're reading and watching. So this would be your romance novels and your chick flicks. The problem with them is that they almost always include sexuality. The most common thing is that you'll get lots of either heavy petting or kissing, or the romance scene itself will cause a physiological reaction in the person that's reading it or watching it. You'll get a throbbing and tingling to the vagina as you're reading and watching, even if it isn't an explicit sexual scene. Be aware that your purity might first start as women in what you're listening to, what you're reading. Um, If you're going to watch a movie that has a romance scene in it that can get your juices stirred in ways that might make it hard for your purity, then fast forward or choose not to watch that movie. If you, I I tell you, there are books out there that are super enjoyable to read and then they'll throw a sex scene in it. Well, fast forward. Don't even look at it. Don't read it. So watch what you're taking in. Watch what you're reading. Watch what you're watching on TV, in movies. The other piece that's important in pursuing purity is that, that comes up a lot in, in workshops that I do and people that I work with is how, what line do we have, especially for those who are single and they want to know how much should they kiss? I get asked this by teenagers, should we kiss while we're dating? Well, that's such a good question. When my husband and I got married, we were leading a large group of singles, and there was some pretty rampant sexual morality going on in the ministry. And we made a decision that uh, we didn't want to end up in that same story. And so during the time that we dated and were engaged, we didn't engage in any kind of kissing or touching as far as sexual touching. We held hands, and our first kiss was on our wedding. Well, I tell people I share that not to say that's what you should do, (laughs) because I think that's a personal decision. But have you talked about it? If you're dating and you happen to be listening to this, or maybe you're a married person and you're helping people that are dating, or you're helping single people who are trying to make that decision, 
oftentimes they haven't even talked about what their lines should be. If you're going to kiss, how much are you going to kiss? Are you going to use your tongue? How long are you going to kiss? Because the moment your body starts reacting physiologically and that throbbing to the vagina starts to occur and that erection to the penis starts to occur, that is going to be a super clear indication that if, you, if you're trying to wait to have sex until you're married, then you may have a line you need to create. And so talk about it. It's not a shameful thing for those responses to happen. But now is where values come in. Okay, boy, I got super aroused while we were kissing. So maybe we need to talk about what's best at this time in our marriage. The reality is for my husband and I, our dating was two months and our engagement was two and a half months. (laughs) So we only had four and a half months to hold to that decision. (laughs) So your situation might be different. If you're burning, you might need to get married. The The bottom line is you want to, number one, define what purity is in your life. Look at it biblically. Sit down with whoever someone is in your life that you might have an intimate relationship or if you're the married person helping someone who's single, sit down with them, show them what purity means in the Bible and talk about, are you talking about this with who you're dating? If you're helping engaged couples, what's their line? Because boy, as they get closer to the wedding, it can be challenging, right? And should be. The juices should flow. Also, boy, big thing that gets talked about as far as purity is what about bringing each other to orgasm when you are not actually involved in intercourse? This gets brought up in every workshop I do for teens, campus students, singles. Parents don't know how to always answer their kids. But in pursuing purity, it isn't just don't have intercourse. That's a complete misunderstanding of the scriptures on sexuality. So I tell people, go back and read how in the overarching view of sexuality, sex is about the intimate connection that happens between the two people engaged in that intimate relationship and that that's supposed to occur in the marital relationship. So any sexuality that someone pursues that leads to those purposefully leads to those arousal symptoms and leads to orgasm. The only place for that in the biblical sexual ethic is in marriage. And so to arouse a boyfriend or a girlfriend to orgasm without intercourse isn't anything different than going ahead and having intercourse. So parents ask this, teenagers ask this, adults ask this, what is the biblical sexual ethic? The biblical sexual ethic is orgasm, that erotic part of sexuality is meant for the marital relationship. So what if you, as you're pursuing purity, whether you're married or single, what if you're pursuing purity and you have a sexual dream and for young men, they might have a wet dream, which it might cause ejaculate in the middle of the night or young women will tell me, Married women will tell me, I feel really guilty. I'm not even barely having sex with my husband, but I have these erotic dreams and then I have an orgasm 
you know, I'm not even touching myself, but I have orgasmic sensations as I'm waking up. That's not an uncommon physiological response. There's not always a lot you can do about dreams. I definitely tell people in their pursuit of purity, you might want to consider, is there anything that you're doing during the day that is spurring things on? Sure, you can check that. Are you involving yourself in pornography? Are you involving yourself in reading things that aren't helpful in your pursuit of purity? However, the dream itself isn't super controllable, no matter what people might say. And so it it can be a simple, well, okay, that happened. I had that sensation. I had that ejaculate. Okay, that's what it is. And if you're still feeling funny about it, go and talk to somebody. So if you're helping people who are single and trying to remain, to stay away from actually engaging in sexuality, share that with them, that the physical sensation that might be associated with dreams, that's a biological response. And just talk openly about it when it happens, if, you're, if, you're, if there's guilt and, and those kinds of feelings involved. You may, in your pursuit of purity, might need to just have the kind, build the kind of relationships where you can talk openly. And that will often occur in groups. I tell people, if you're really pursuing purity, you might need to get yourself involved in a support group. Whether it's men or women, uh, whether it's um, a sexual addiction group, or whether it's just a how do I stay pure, uh, joining a group like that within your church can be super helpful and super encouraging. So in your pursuit of purity, number one, put whatever kind of helps you need. If it's changing the the different devices that you have so that they are free from the use of any kind of pornography, if it's having a close friendship that you can talk about, about the physical sensations in your body and anything that you feel enticed by, whether it's being in a support group, pursue those things in order to pursue purity. Remember in all of this, God treats us with special honor. God treats sexuality with special honor. In closing, let me just share this with you. In 1 Corinthians 6, chapter 20, it says, gives us a reason for, he says, flee sexual immorality, and he tells us why. And he says, you were bought at a price. Wow, you are worth so much. You are so valuable. And so God says, that the body, it's not made for sexual morality. So don't pursue pornography, masturbation, prostitution, adultery, premarital sex. Don't pursue these things because God knows what's best for his, your body. And he says, by the way, you were bought at a price. You're worth so much more than those sexual acts outside of marriage. Remember that as you pursue your own process of purity and holiness. This is Dr. Jennifer Conson with The Art of Intimate Marriage. Thank you for joining us for The Art of Intimate Marriage. Now, let's be real. This is not a typical radio program, and we know it generates questions. If you have one you'd like Dr. Conson to address here on air, email her at jenniferconson at yahoo.com. Conson is spelled K-O-N-Z-E-N, jenniferconson at yahoo.com. We hope today's program was beneficial to you. And if you agree this unique voice should be on the air, your donations will help keep it there. 
To give or to get more information about the ministry, Dr. Kanzen's Center for Sexuality in San Diego, or to get more resources for improving intimacy in marriage, visit us on the web at theartofintimatemarriage.com. And for more on experiencing the marriage God designed, join us this same time next week for The Art of Intimate Marriage.